Union is really remembering, isn't it? It's remembering the new covenant that we live in, where Jesus, he, sacrificed, he was sacrificed. Why? So that we wouldn't have to come and repeatedly sacrifice, what, animals for our sins. And really, that's the old covenant. The old covenant was that, and the new covenant was Jesus died for us so that we can have a personal relationship with God. I love covenant. Covenant is not a contract. Do you, do you know that? You know, sometimes we, we look at marriage, and tonight I'm going to talk about the covenant of marriage. But sometimes we look at, at marriage in today's day and age, and it can just be a contract. If you look at it through worldly eyes, it's just a contract between two people, between a man and a woman. And even now, they're wanting to change that. But you look at it, and it's between a man and a woman, and, and that's the contract. You can go into an arranged marriage, do you know that, with a contract of up to 10 years. You know, contracts have opt-out clauses. Do you realise that? You buy a house, there's an opt-out clause. There's an opt-out, well, are the finances right? You know, when I go into marriage, I don't look at the finances, really, because if you started to look at the finance, you probably wouldn't go there. You know, if you actually started to look at what marriage was going to cost you over the years, what reproduction, what kids, you probably wouldn't go there. It just doesn't add up. You know, there's no profit right there at all. It costs you everything. But, but it's, marriage is, is not a contract. It's a covenant. And, and so tonight I want to talk about what type of covenant it is. Do you realize that marriage is a covenant? What it means is it means a coming together. That's what covenant is. Covenant is a coming together. It, it, it's coming Together In the Old Testament, it was parties coming together where God called them together and was sealed by God. In the New Testament, it's coming together. It's a binding. It's a cleaving. It's like sticking together like glue. If you read through your Bible, what God has brought together, let no man separate, pull apart. Hey, babe, you're stuck with me. That's it. It's a glue. We're stuck together. It's a covenant. There's just, that's it. There's no loopholes, there's no claws out, it's you're stuck with me. <laughs> the covenant of marriage. And so that's the way, as biblical, as Christians, we go into marriage. We go into it as a covenant. It's a relationship that binds us together, that two flesh come together and become one with God in it. That's the difference, is that God is in it. God brings us together. That's what... We believe the covenant of marriage. The covenant of marriage is intended by God to be a lifelong, listen to this, fruitful relationship between a man, a woman, and him. Yeah, a lifelong, fruitful. Fruitful. It's fruitful. You know, go forth and multiply. Uh, I love that because everyone tells me, oh, you know, we're just going to have two kids or we're just going to have one. The Bible says multiply. Not replace yourselves. All the Catholics in the house just said amen. But, you know, it's, it's multiply. Be fruitful. You know, it's where God brings the divine to the ordinary. It's where God breathes upon a married couple. He breathes upon us. You know, the question at the proposal should not be, do you love me? But the question should be, but where are we going? I love T.D. Jakes. He says, makes that statement. 
It, it shouldn't be, do you love me? Will you marry me? Well, do you love me? Well, the question should be, well, where are we going? Great. Where are you going to take me? Girls, Great. if a guy gets down on bended D, the question should be asking, well, where are you going to take me? Right. Not if you love me. Right. Don't even go there. You know, sometimes you won't feel like loving them. That's not going to hold you together. But God will. It's a choice. And so when you're on bended knee, girl, ask her. Ask him. Her. Ask him. Where are you going to take me? What's the future I'm going to have with you? The same should be vice versa. These days, girls, get down on bended knee. Guys just need to learn how to lead. You know, Brent, good on you, mate. And Shekinah. Proverbs 29, verse 18, and I believe this should be key to every relationship, is that where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, have vision for your marriage. Have vision for your relationships. It's a covenant agreement. It's a working towards. God has purposed you to come together for a reason. Do you know the difference between a contractual and a covenant marriage are these things? A contracted marriage is this, is I take thee for me. You know, a covenant marriage says I give myself to thee. This is the difference. It's, I give myself to thee. A contract would say, you do, um, you had better do it. Now, what would I say? You better get in the kitchen, woman, and make me dinner. Woo! No. But a covenant says, how may I serve you? Yeah, that's it. How may I serve you? What would you want me to do? How can I help you more? How can I help you be the best that you can be? A contract says, is what, what do I get? Come on, what do I get out of this relationship? What am I getting if I marry you? But it says, hey, what, what can I give to you? Do you see the difference between covenant and contract? Wow. A contract is always self-centered. A covenant is always giving. I'll give you 100% plus. Not 99%, not 80%, 100%. A contract's like, do I have to? Oh. Do I have to do the washing? No, I want to do the washing. No, I, I want to serve you. I want to be part of this relationship. I want to move forward. Oh, do I have to? Do I have to drop you to work? Oh, do I have to get up? In, can you? No. The difference between contract and covenant is a choice. There's no loopholes. It's a laying down of one's life. It's coming together. A covenant marriage is intended by God to be a long life relationship, exemplifying unconditional love, reconciliation, sexual purity, and growth. That's what it is. Sexual purity and growth. A covenant is an eternal commitment to God. Well, today, people are scared of commitment. We'd rather do a contract because we can opt out. But when it comes to this, when it comes to a biblical marriage, it's between you, God, and the other party. There's three involved. 
There's three involved and the mother-in-law is never to be seen. If you're here this morning, you'll know what that means. But it's between you and God. It's a contract. It's not a contract. It's covenant. People can negotiate out of contracts, but not out of a covenant. The heart of the covenant of marriage is steadfast in love, which comes from the very heart of God, and it never ceases. It never ceases. So tonight I want to look at this, is what makes up the covenant of marriage? The first thing that makes up the covenant of marriage is love for one another. Do you realise that? That's what it makes it up, love for one another. The vows we exchange at our wedding reflect the relationship we already have bound by steadfast love and faithfulness. That's what it is. Is that when we come to love one another, we've already steadfast, it's already in our heart, we've already committed to each other. We've already come together. The degree in which the words have meaning comes from direct portion of unconditional love that dwells within each of our heart for one another. For one another. Unconditional love. When you stand there and you have your vows and you speak to the other party, it is a covenant of love. It's a coming together. It, It can't be broken. It's binding together in love. It's unconditional. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen world and some marriages don't see out the covenant. But when we step into, this is how we should go into it. As it's binding, it's unveiling love for one another. The second thing is there needs to be a responsibility. Is that we take responsibility As partners in a covenant of marriage or relationship, we are responsible for our actions. Do you realise that? We're not responsible for the other person's actions. We're responsible for our actions. We're responsible for our emotions. Again, if you're here this morning, Carolina spoke about uh, intellectual emotions. Intellectually (laughs) being... What is it? Emotional intelligence. It was close enough. (laughs) Emotional intelligence is that we need to be responsible and have a gauge on our emotions. Is that we don't live by our emotions, but we need to know how to react when our emotions flare up. We need to gauge ourselves. And so we need to take responsibility for ourselves. And in taking responsibility for ourselves, you know what? It makes it easier to engage in those around us. And so we need to take responsibility for our actions. You know, for example, we need to remain sexually pure. You know, in our thoughts and in our actions towards our spouse. There needs to come a time where we need to stand down and say, okay, I need to take responsibility for myself. Why? Because who I am right now in this relationship is really hers and vice versa. And so really taking a step back and realising what covenant you've entered into. You know, (laughs) when you say it's the wife's fault all the time, it's time to actually check yourself. If things aren't quite going right at home or in a relationship, we need not to blame the other party. 
but actually check ourselves. And I know not everyone is married here, but the reason I'm going over this is so you know what you're heading into. Because there is blessing in the covenant of marriage. There is hope, there is purpose for the covenant of marriage. The second thing is choice. The covenant of marriage are not built on deceit and manipulation. The covenant of marriage is not built on deceit and manipulation. You know, if you look through Ephesians, it talks about how, how we should interact, how wives and husbands should interact. You, you read through it and you can see in Ephesians 5.22 and it talks about wives, you know, submission is freely given and grows from respect, not fear and manipulation. Do you realise that? Is it submission? It's freely given. Wives, when you submit to your husband, it's, it's not something that we demand, it's something that's freely given. There is a difference, it's a choice. You know, husbands, we have to choose daily to love our wife. It's easy for me. So easy. But sometimes you have to take check. You know, as Christ loved the church, he laid down his life. He actually died for the church. Husbands, we need to die for our wives. Some things need to die in our life. The toys that you want need to die. You need to put the Xbox away if you're 30 plus. You need to put it on the shelf. You know, you need to actually engage your family, your wife. Look at her eyes. Look into her eyes. Understand who she is. You know, it, it's, it, it takes a choice. <laughs> like, I, I remember Carolina and I just getting to know each other. And she was like, oh, you know, it was really cute. <laughs> and, and, and she goes, she goes, do you think you could ever fall out of love with me? <laughs> and, and I looked at her and I go, no. She goes, how can you say that? I say, because I love you. It's a, it's a choice. So you're saying it's that it's a choice to love me. <laughs> so you have to choose to love me. It's not just love, but you actually have to choose to love me. I'm like, yes. I'm choosing right now. But, but these things, but, you know, sometimes it's a choice. I believe this is that love is a choice. It's not an emotion. Emotions always lie to you. You can fall in and out of love, but it's a choice to love someone. It's a choice. It's a commitment to be with someone. And that's where I lay down my life daily for my wife. That's what it is. It's a dying to self and saying, right now, it's actually not about me, but it's about my wife. It's about, I choose to be part of it. I choose to love my wife. No matter what my emotions say, no matter where I am in my mind, but I choose, and this is the choice that I've made. The power of choice. You know, you can never trust your feelings. If you build a marriage on feelings, it's like building a building or a foundation on sand eventually it's going to crumble. Eventually those feelings will go. Eventually you'll be hurt. Eventually things will happen out of your control. 
and you need to choose to decide what you're going to do beforehand, not after. Because who knows, after is too late. After is too late. Sand can never support the foundation of marriage, which is trust. Which is trust. I choose to trust. I choose to be steadfast in my choice. The fourth thing is that we need to nurture our relationships. We need to nurture our relationships. And this morning, we were sitting on the couch and I just had this thought, whereas I need to nurture my relationship with my wife, I need to nurture my relationship with my kids. It it goes beyond just here, but but when I I look at at my wife, I, I need to be able to read my wife. Is that there are some times I will be speaking from the stage and I know that I have upset her. Like, I know. No one else knows, but I know. Why? Because I've learned to read my wife. When she is happy and smiling, I know, well, it's all good. It's going to be safe to go home today. But there are those moments. Exactly. You you learn to read your wife. You learn to read. But then at the same time, as you're reading, I get to know her. And I know what she is thinking. I, I know what's taking place. And so it, it, it's like this. I, you, you have to read them, then you get to know them, and then you have to acknowledge them. And then I have to acknowledge, oh, wow, I've hurt her feelings. I'm going to die. <laughs> you know, these things, you acknowledge that. And the same with my kids. I, I read my kids. I, I, I read my kids. I know my kids. And then I acknowledge what I need to do at the end. The same when it comes to marriage. When nurturing relationships, you need to know the other party. You, you need to know the other party. You need to know them inside and out. You need to know those looks. You need to then acknowledge them. Like sometimes you know, in, a, in a marriage, you're there for each other through thick and thin. To death do us part. That's called a covenant marriage. Yeah. And, and so in that, you, you go into that. And, and so you, you look at your wife. And so when you are running tired or when someone is running tired in the relationship... You, you, you know that you, you see it and you know it. Yeah. You know they're running tired. Then you acknowledge that they're running tired and you do something about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is it in that you're nurturing the relationship? You're putting the other person ahead of your own. You're putting them ahead of yourself. We need to be able to nurture relationships. Our marriages will grow as we build up one another in love. As we build up one another in love, we need to value our spouse more than ourselves. If you have kids, you need to value your spouse above the kids. I see so many marriages fall apart as soon as the kids leave home. Why? Because the marriage has become all about the kids and not about the relationship between the parents. That is the sad day that we live in, is that when it becomes about the kids... The kids need to know their place second to their mother. They need to know their place. And so all the teenagers are like, oh. There goes the entitlement. But right there, it's because if that relationship is healthy, everything else will be healthy. If that relationship is dysfunctional, then everything else will be dysfunctional. 
So nurturing relationships. As we experience the unconditional love of Christ, we are able to love our spouse as he loves us. As he loves us. We need to provide unconditional love, forgiveness, reconciliation, while providing comfort and hope to our partners. Provide hope to provide comfort. Uh, another thing within the nurturing relationships, and this is something that's not in my notes, is that I, I believe this, is that we have to be equally yoked. When you go into a relationship, the Bible talks about being equally yoked. And, and some people are like, well, you know what, I, I, I'm a Christian, but I shouldn't marry a non-Christian. Well, yeah, you're not really that equally yoked. That's true. But then also, too, I believe this, is that you also need to be equally yoked as Christians. You know, are you going in the same direction? Do you have the same dreams? Do you have the same purposes? Because I believe if you marry the wrong person, it can take you out of the call of God upon your life. Whoa. I thought love was love. No, you choose to love. You choose to love. You choose what relationships you go into. Like, I, I, I'll tell you a secret. I was engaged before Carolina. Everyone was like, and we were unequally yoked. And I thank God every day that I didn't go through with that. I do. I thank God every day. But sometimes I, I think to myself, wow, that was devastation. That was like, but God had a different plan. But we come into a covenant commitment. We come into play where we come in and, and when we find the right person, we pray and we believe, God, this is it. And we come equally, we come together in one accord with one purpose. We come together and we fulfill the purposes that God has for our life. We do that. And so we need to be able to nurture our relationship. So whatever relationship you're going into, if you're single and ready to mingle, I believe this is that you need to ask the other person, how is your relationship with God? You know, I started pursuing Carolina. And I'll tell you what, I was like, woo! I couldn't even remember her name. I just remembered her eyes. That's how it worked. And by about the third week, it was like, oh, her name's Carolina. Yeah. But she had me at hello. Anyway, so, but those things, but, 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 but what I did, see, I got brownie points for when I go home. Anyway, so, but, stories with Sam. But I tell you what, but when, but when I finally caught her, it was amazing. We went out on a couple of dates and we sat down by South Bank and we sat down and we looked upon the Brisbane River that was brown <laughs> at night. It was cold. It was very romantic. Everything was shut in Brisbane as it was. It's a great plan. Plan your dates well. I don't do that. Anyway, so we're sitting there because nothing else is open. And she sat there and she's like, so what's the purpose of this relationship? <laughs> I was like, do you love me? <laughs> but 
straight away it was like, well, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? What are the purposes of your relationships right now? If you're going into a relationship with someone, I believe this, you should always ask, what is the purpose? What is the purpose? Are you equally yoked? And I believe this because we have the same purpose, because we are equally yoked, because we are moving together forward, our family moves together forward. And when you're in agreement, and when you come into agreement, everything seems to fall into place. Just seems to fall into place. And so that's how it happened. Nurturing, it, it becomes a safe place. When you nurture relationships, it becomes a safe place. And the last one is commitment. A covenant is built on a selfless love, freely given, freely received. A commitment, freely offered, with no strings attached. No strings attached. There should be never any strings attached. Manipulation should not raise its head in any relationship. Should not. In a true relationship, there should be no strings attached. Because a covenant relationship is built upon trust. It is built upon trust. Is where you can trust the other person, where God breathes supernaturally upon it. Paul writes it and says it this way. He says, love never fails. 1 Corinthians. Love never fails. Is that we come into that place where love never fails. It's a commitment where it never, you know, God never failed us. His love never fails us. His love never fails us. And the same here is that our love should never fail those around us. You know, the covenant of marriage is, first of all, you know, God does have a plan for your marriage. He desires to see your love grow and bear fruit. When you step into that covenant of marriage, He desires. He desires to see your love grow and bear fruit. That's what He desires. He desires us to grow in our relationship. The second thing is, is it's not merely there to enjoy each other's company. Even though you do, You know, we're there to enjoy each other's company, not just to endure it. Do you realise that? We're there to enjoy each other. Dave puts it this way, sex is fun. That was three weeks ago in love, actually. If you're listening. But he says you're there to enjoy. You're there to have fun. You're there to go and make memories. It's there to build a life together. It's there to see a family grow. They're the desires that we should have when we step into a covenant of marriage. And the last one is the goal of the covenant of marriage is this. It's to glorify God in your relationship and to show it to the world. That's the last one. It's to glorify God in every area. It's so you'll grow and bear fruit. 
so that you can enjoy each other and glorify God. That's the covenant of marriage. And my question tonight is, why wouldn't you want to be part of that covenant? Is it when it comes time, if you're single or if you're there, is it when you step into this relationship, when you step into that, step into it with the eyes of God, what is the purpose? Who have you called me to be with? And, and when you do step into that covenant of marriage, remember this, is that it's you, your wife or your husband, whoever you are, and God. And God is the center. And I guarantee you, as soon as you put God as the center, everything else works around it. The covenant of marriage, it's not a contract, it's a covenant. And I love the covenants that are in the Bible. Why? Because every covenant, every covenant is immersed in love. Every covenant is immersed in love for humanity. Every covenant is immersed in love to see us reach our full potential, to see us reach all that God has called us to be. The greatest covenant was when He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. That set the new covenant in play. Why? Because it gave us all access to the Heavenly Father. It brought us all into a relationship with God. It was a covenant that broke an old covenant. A covenant that didn't work. A covenant that failed. But in turn set us forth into a covenant that brought restoration to all those who believed. And we didn't even have to do a thing. Tonight I want to ask, how's your relationship with God? How is your relationship with God? How is it? There was a covenant set 2,000 years ago so that you could step into the very throne room of God, immersed in love, immersed in purpose. Tonight, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes and The first invitation I I want to give is that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I'd love to pray with you tonight. If you want to be included in this prayer, I'd love for you just to raise your hand so I know who I'm going to pray with just shortly as I look across. Father God, I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you for individuals right now for those that are right now wanting to connect back to you. Lord God, for those that maybe don't have a relationship with you, but want a relationship with you. Father God, I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to intertwine their lives. Lord God, for others in this room that may have had a relationship with you, but have fallen away, that relationship has become distant. Lord God, I I pray right now as their heart is set upon you, that you restore that relationship. And Lord God, right now we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we can come in right relationship with you, right standing. 
not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done. Not because we're worthy, but because you said we're worth it. Tonight, Father, I pray for those in their heart that are reaching out, that you would send your Holy Spirit to intertwine their lives. Spirit of God, come and rest upon them. Come and move upon them. We thank you in Jesus' name. And Father God, right now, I thank you that you've given us this covenant of marriage. A covenant that's between a man and a woman. Between a man and a woman and sealed by you. That is purposed by you. Lord God, tonight I I pray for every single person in this room. Lord God, whether they're married or whether they're not. Lord, I, I pray that you guide them in every way. In their relationships. Lord God, in the relationships for some that are about to have in the future. Lord God, I pray for the best for their life. I pray that it's purposed. I pray for the ones right now that are married. Father, that you've joined them together. Lord God, I pray that you breathe upon every relationship right here, Father. Lord God, that your blessing will come upon them. Lord God, that you'll breathe life upon them, Father God. That you have purposed us. Lord God, and our relationships here will glorify your name. The people will look in and go, wow, I want what they've got. I want to live like they live. I want the promises that they've got. I, I want the blessing and favor that they've got. Why? Because they've just given it all to you, Father. Lord, breathe upon every life here. Whatever stage they're in right now, let them not lose sight of your blessing and of your favor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand.